Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I just thank you that you're a God who keeps speaking. So if we miss it the first time, <laughs> we miss it the third or fourth or tenth time, you keep speaking because you love us too much to be silent. You love us too much to be silent. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd give us ears to hear this morning and hearts to receive um, your word that is always wrapped in love. It's always wrapped in kindness. It's always wrapped in our best interests. And so, Lord, help us to hear you today. And we thank you for Chris who loves you and is faithful to you. And, um, Lord, we ask that you just speak through him to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, my dear church family. Hey, (laughs) what a blessing it is to stand here and see some faces in the room and think of all those out there and we're just, we're nearly there, just hopeful for the day when we can all be back in the room celebrating together. Looking forward to it. Who else is ready? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) bring it on. So today I'm hoping to share with you, uh, hoping to um, share how I think God guides us and it's my prayer uh, to share with you what he's revealed to me through his word in the Bible and it's my hope that you can take something today uh, from his word and take some time to hear what he has to say in your life. Uh, I certainly want to start by surrendering. Uh, this message to him and just asking God, please bless us, guide us today in all all that's said and may your transformation power be at work in our hearts and minds as we hear from you today. So a couple of months ago, God put on my heart to start reading about one of his messengers in the Old Testament. His name is Samuel and if you want to follow along with the Bible verses that I'm going to uh, share, you can have a look at First Samuel chapter 8. So I found that God was using some interesting verses to speak to my heart. Please allow me to share them with you and I encourage you to listen how God speaks to your life through them. So this is First Samuel chapter 8. Under the title, Israel Requests a King. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his eldest sons, held court in Bathsheba. But they were not like their father. They were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and they perverted justice. Finally, all the elders of Israel met together at Ramah to discuss this matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, your sons, uh, you're old now and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Samuel was displeased with their request, so he went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you. Said the Lord replied, for they're rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. 
Ever since I brought them out of Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they're giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. So we continue on under the title that Samuel warns against the kingdom. So Samuel passed on the Lord's warning to the people who were asking for a king. This is how a king will reign over you, Samuel said. The king will draft your sons and assign them to his chariots and charioteers, making them run before his chariots. Some of them will be generals and some of them will be captains in his army. Some will be forced to plough his fields and harvest his crops and some will make his weapons and chariot equipment. The king will take your daughters from you and force them to cook and bake and make perfumes for him. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own officials. He will take a tenth of your grain and your grape harvest and distribute among his officers and attendants. He will take your people and demand the finest of your cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks and you will be his slaves. And when that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king you are demanding now, but then the Lord will not help you. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and will lead us into battle. So Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people had said, and the Lord replied, Do as they say and give them a king. Then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. I didn't lead in with this, but these verses pointed me to the truth of my own sin. I will expand on this more when I share the points that I believe God showed me in how I try and guide my own life. But first, let's take a few steps back in Israel's history and look at who the judges of Israel were. Samuel was the last judge before he anointed the first two kings of Israel. And before Israel had a king, it had a series of tribal leaders called judges. God used these men and women called judges to save the Israelites from their enemies and lead them back to him. The book of Judges records this chapter in ancient Jewish history, noting each judge's deeds and the circumstances surrounding them. Maybe you can think of some of those Old Testament stories you'd heard of the judges in Israel. Can I get a few people, maybe to name a few, if you want to pop in the chat some of the Old Testament Bible characters that you know of who were judges over Israel. Samson. Yes. 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 Any after this, I'll be taking your word for it because they're the three that I know of. (laughs) I know there's 12, 
don't worry, we're not going to pull teeth and drag all of them out of the crowd. Maybe, maybe the chat, people in the chat have got our backs there. So after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, Joshua led them into the promised land. When Joshua and his generation died, so did the Israelites' knowledge of God. They began worshipping other gods, so God handed them over to their enemies and used the surrounding nations to test their faithfulness, seeing whether they would walk in his ways as their ancestors did. And then the Lord chose leaders called judges. These leaders saved the people of Israel from the robbers. But the Israelites did not listen to their judges. They were not faithful to God. They followed other gods instead. In the past, the people of Israel disobeyed. Uh, sorry, they had obeyed the Lord's commands, but now they stopped obeying the Lord. And every time a judge died, Israel went astray again, returning to the sinful practices and idolatry. It was a constant cycle of sin and deliverance. Israel rebels, God disciplines them, Israel repents, God delivers them. So you see, a judge at this time wasn't like a judge we know today. A judge was more like a, a political or military leader who God would use to raise up and defeat the enemy. With every victory, the people would remember God. But then they would go back to their old choices, to their bad choices. They'd get attacked, they'd cry out to God, and God would send a judge to save them. Here's the point for me, that even though we mess up, God still loves us and he will save us. The book of Judges lists 12 leaders, as mentioned before, uh, before Samuel and his mentor Eli, and you're welcome to have a look up them for yourself. So now we have a little bit of the history behind some of these verses that I shared this morning. And I want to pull out just a few key themes. This is how I think people try and guide themselves. This is how I think I guide myself when I run on my own will. In verse 5 it says, Look, they told him, you're old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. I seek after my own ideas. I look at and I compare myself to others and I look away from, I look outside of God. In verse 7, it talks about, Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they're rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. I can rebel against God in my own heart and in my own ways, rejecting him. And in verse 9 it says, Do as they say, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. I can ignore the warnings that God gives me or not actively seek him, seek him to find out what they may be. Can you relate today? Friends, can you hear those situations in your own life 
We seek after your own ideas. We do. We look at and we compare to others. We look for life outside of God and try and figure it out for ourselves. We rebel against God in our hearts and in our minds and in our choices. To put it bluntly, we reject him and we go our own way. And we ignore the warnings that he gives us over and over again. Or maybe we just don't actively seek him. We don't make an intentional time to seek after his will in our lives. To look out for and hear those warnings he's trying to give us when we're trying to go our own way. Through these verses, I see one major difference between the work of the Holy Spirit before and after Pentecost. So Pentecost is the first time that the believers received the promise that Jesus gave them, that he would send a helper, an advocate. The one who will lead us in all truth. In the days of the Old Testament, the presence of God's Spirit in his in a person's life was occasional, sporadic, and temporary, such as what we see in these judges that were raised up for a specific purpose at a specific time. And as a result of this, we see that the people continually succumbed to the pull of evil in their lives. They lacked that supernatural power of the Holy Spirit continually present in the life of a believer to keep them from wrongdoing and sin. Since Pentecost, since the coming of the Holy Spirit, that power is continually available to every believer and follower of Jesus Christ. We need the continual feeling and empowering of the Holy Spirit to prepare and equip us for the spiritual battle against the enemy of our, of our souls. To prepare and equip us for those times where we seek after our own ideas, where we reject God in our hearts, even though he's warning us and inviting us back to him. So excited to hear about the Holy Spirit weekend, to look at who the Holy Spirit is, to really unpack this. I'm, I'm hoping that the next verses I'm going to share with you really stir you up and encourage you to want to seek after God more and more. Because I want to share what God has revealed through Jesus about how he guides us. Because I have my own ideas about how I guide myself. That's why I need to go to God and figure out how does he guide me? How, does, how can he guide me in my life? And how do I follow in those ways? So I want to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit to, to follow on this morning. And if you want to follow along at home, I'm going to be reading out of John chapter uh, small verses out of uh, towards the end of chapter 15, 26 and 27, and then leading in with chapter 16. So Jesus said that when the advocate comes, whom he will send to us from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about Jesus. And we must also testify. That's what Jesus calls us to do. He told the disciples then, you have been with me from the beginning. 
and you will testify about me. When we come to know Jesus, is it our life mission to share about him in our life? Is that have the first place? I know for me at times, sadly, I can say that it doesn't. And I need to go to God with that. I need to work that out with the Lord. So Jesus uh, follows on here in John chapter 16. He says, I did not tell you these things at the beginning because I was with you then. Now I'm going back to the one who sent me. But none of you ask me, where are you going? Your hearts are filled with sadness because I've told you these things. So Jesus has continually told his disciples, this is the plan. This is the plan of salvation. This is the only way that it can be done that I must go to the cross to sacrifice myself, to pay the price that we can get right with God, to pay the price for the forgiveness of our sins and wrongdoing. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it's better for you that I go away. For when I go away, I will send the helper to you. If I do not go away, then the helper will not come. And when the helper comes... He will prove to the people of the world the truth about sin, about being right with God and about judgment. He will prove to them about sin because they don't believe in me. He will prove to them that I am right with God because I am going to the Father. You will not see me anymore. And the helper will prove to them the truth about judgment because the ruler of this world is already judged. I have many more things to say to you, but they're too much for you now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you in all truth. He will not speak his own words. He will speak only what he hears and will tell you what is to come. The spirit of truth will bring glory to me. He will take what I have to say and tell it to you. All that the Father has is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will take what I have to say and tell it to you. These were the key takeaways that I found in these verses about how God guides us. He proves to us the truth about the sin in our lives. He invites us to get right with him, no matter how many times we need to ask. As you said, I was coming up here, Andrew, the third chance, the fourth chance, however many times God invites us back to the table. And he declares and reminds us that sin and the enemy of our soul do not have the victory Jesus does. Hallelujah. And just as the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus, he leads us to do the same. How do I think God guides us in our lives? He gives us an opportunity to face the sin in our lives, to do something about it. To bring it from the dark into his light. He invites us to get right with him. 
to have his presence with us in our life on a daily basis, a continual empowered presence, working on those things, not just calling us to turn away from that stuff, but giving us the strength, power and courage we need to walk away from it, to follow him. And if you need to take away just one thing today, I encourage you to do this, to, to declare as Christ does, that sin and the enemy of our soul do not have the victory. That's why Christ went to the cross, so that we could share in that victory. And just as the Holy Spirit testifies about Christ, he leads us to do the same. Because when Jesus is king in our hearts, when we call him Lord and Saviour, he gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us in all truth. The Holy Spirit is our divine teacher. Every new revelation we discover in God results from the work of the Holy Spirit. His objective is to teach us the will of God. And I believe this is the best form of guidance that I receive from God. It's how he teaches me to live a life worthy of Jesus' sacrifice. Not because I have to, not because I'm trying to earn his love and his grace and his mercy, but in response to that. The Holy Spirit teaches us about the sin in our life and convicts us of those areas where we must turn away. I'm very intentional about using that word convicts, not condemns. He loves us too much to leave us where we are. He gives us a way forward to him, to follow him. He teaches us how to pray. He teaches us about eternity. And he comes to reveal Jesus to us in a very personal and real way. He opens up dimensions of our life so that we can see who we are in the sight of God. Do you know who you are in the sight of God today, friends? You're loved. You're forgiven. You're welcome. You're welcomed into the kingdom. That's the invitation. He teaches us about what we need in this moment and where we're going in the future. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God within us. It's God's gift to us when we admit our own wrongdoing, when we admit our need for God and we believe in his plan of salvation through Jesus' death on the cross and the resurrection the defeat, the ultimate victory over sin and death. And when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher that gets involved with our lives and helps us learn. He walks alongside of us in all of life's situation. Gently, lovingly and caringly, pointing out to us the things in our life that are keeping us separated from knowing the will of God, that are keeping us from walking in the full and abundance of God's plan for our life. It's my hope that by this point, 
God has said all that he needs to say to you today. My question is, where do you need to see the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life today? Where do you need God's guidance in your life right now? I encourage you, shout it out. Put it in the chat. Everywhere. <laughs> Amen. Yes, absolutely. Is it in our family life? Is it in our faith? Is it in our obedience? Is it in your prayer life? Is it in your generosity? Is it in your expression of worship to God? Where do you need the freedom today, friends? Which relationships need that special anointing? Is it your marriage, your work? In your conflicts, your struggles, in your inner being, in your healing? Is it anointing that you need a boldness and a new courage to share your faith with others? Do you need a miracle today, friends? Because God is in the transformation business and He guides us to Himself. If only we will follow. He will lead us and guide us in the right way to go. If only we will ask where that is. He will work a miracle in our lives today. If only we ask him. I encourage you now as the band come and lead us in worship. Take your time. With the Lord. For those that are in the room, if you need to come to the mercy seat to ask for those things, it's a beautiful opportunity to take a step forward towards God's will in your life. If you want to, in these moments, where you are, whether you're at home, sitting in your seat, if you want to start to look heavenward and open your hearts to God, He will not turn you away. He will not turn you away. He'll not, he will not compare you to someone else. He hasn't just got an idea for your life. He has a plan. And that plan has a map. You may choose your steps, but the Lord will direct your path. I encourage you today, friends. Let's go to the Lord and ask Him, How, how will you guide my life, Lord? I surrender. I, I love that opening worship, surrendering God to lead us and to guide us in all faithfulness. Thank you for this opportunity to share, friends. May God bless your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.